Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. There's like 15% of you that are just like, oh. These nerds are at it again. The nerds are at it again with this show. Sports Talk Saturday. Like, you have a deck of playing cards, and the Bills' hand was four Yu-Gi-Oh cards. That's what happened here. And they're not even good ones. It's like a Karibo. It's like that you have the four pieces of Exodia, but, like, one of them's in your graveyard, so you really can't do anything with it. <laughs> it's time to do 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 I thought it was going to be a next week thing. Not a, not a oh my God. thing. I'm so happy with that. Can we also really quick appreciate how much the Yu-Gi-Oh! theme slaps? Honestly. <laughs> These dorks are at it again. Yes, we are. We always are. So, welcome into a special hour number four of uh, Sports Talk Saturday. This wasn't really announced, but we figured, you know what? Sabres pregame starts at 3 o'clock. Um, what better way to fill in the time than to just sit here and keep doing what we've been doing? You know, that's, uh, that's kind of, that was kind of the premise of this one. It's kind of fast and loose. Our program director basically saying, yeah, you can do it if you want. You don't have to. And then I said, hey, you know what? I had 30 minutes of sports talk Saturday last week that I didn't even do. So making up for lost time, making up for it a little bit. Yes. Um, but yeah, so there it is. And yes, um, we had quite the uh, checklist of things that we've done today. Yeah, and the only thing we haven't done is talk about how the Sabres are going to face off against the Sharks tonight. Today. A strangely hot San Jose Sharks team. Yeah, four in a row. 3-0-1 in their last four. So four of points. Four of points and almost perfect in their last four games since losing to Buffalo. As a matter of fact, that's true. So the last, lo- could the Sabers just go ahead and bookend their nice little point streak? Perhaps that'd be nice. Uh, the Sabers have always had very, very good luck against the Sharks, like a surprising amount of luck. Even mm-hmm. when they were starting the tank years, they were always able to beat the Sharks. First of all, never forget the Congo line. Never forget that mm-hmm. was that was an away game. Away games are different in San Jose. <laughs> 
They well, don't do as well, is. but the home games were always the good ones. <laughs> but usually they, they, they would play well against San Jose. Yes, but the, the Sabres conga Jose. line uh, of the tank team was... Uh, One of the greatest Im- sports images of our... Uh, our time. Anytime you can get three players to chase one in a straight line, you do it. It's the new flying V, I've been told. Yeah. Which I've always had my doubts about. <laughs> that's beside the point. Well, yeah. Iceland thwarted the idea immediately. Right. Like there a was, real hockey team. There was, well, I mean, there was a lot of interference that should have been called on that play, but I digress. Has officiating ever been good in any level of hockey? <laughs> and there it is. Now we way to bring it right back to the real world, though. Because, <laughs> I mean, hey, anytime you can elbow someone in the face and only get five games for it, uh, apparently you do it. When I saw that that was only a phone hearing, I'm like, what? A, how silly that that's how you can decide the amount of games that you're suspended. It's just like, oh, well, it's a phone hearing. We can only do five. It's like, okay. Does sure. he just, like, not have time to meet with people in person? Is that really the main issue for George Peros? I think it's a step-by-step process for, the I, for like, the actual offense system. And I do believe that, I, that Gallagher was no longer considered a repeat offender. Correct. Because it's been long enough since the last time he did stupid stuff like this. Yes. So. You are correct. It's just I'm starting to think now. I my guess is he's just too busy. Or he doesn't want to meet with people face to face. Because how often does that ever happen under George Peros? If uh <laughs> if this was a problem the NHL wanted to fix, they wouldn't keep appointing people like George Peros to the position of NHL player safety. And Chris Chris Pronger was that for a, a second, wasn't he? Uh, Brendan mm-hmm. Shanahan might have been the most respectable person in that role, and now, uh, you know, with the Leafs. Just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how seriously the NHL is taking these things when they continue to happen. And... I don't know. I don't know what you do about that other than why you can't keep putting career fighters and career goons into that position. Yeah, and I mean, the minute that they didn't put a career goon in there, um, the owners freaked out so badly and GMs freaked out so badly that they had Brendan Shanahan removed. They were like, you have to go and make the... go." Go do stuff for the Leafs. Make them funny for the next however many years you're yes. with them. I, so I'll never... like. I mean, I, they've always been funny. Yes, but I, I definitely don't begrudge the role that Shanahan has played with the Maple Leafs at this point. But I do miss the gavel of discipline that he had. Um, Making sure of it. But anyway, Sabres taking on the Sharks today. And probably no Gergensons. Victor Olofsson or Zach Benson likely drawing back in the lineup there. And I get why Benson was scratched. He's not used to an 82-game season because that's just how it goes. Um, they've done this before with Paterka, with Quinn. They've they've done this plenty of times where they'll scratch a player and cite the reasoning being, well, he's never had to play a schedule like this before. And that makes sense. Yeah, there's only a few players that I think could come in and and 
do a schedule like that right off the bat. And those are your, your top draft players. And, you know, Benson was one of the top players drafted, but not one of the top players drafted. So he you, wasn't, you get it. Yeah, it wasn't the like the first or second here, overall The pick, fact yeah. that he's even here is still incredible. Yes. But, uh, definitely has, I don't want to say has lost steam as the year has gone on, but with players like that, we've all seen it. We've all seen guys seem like they're hot at the start of the year and then they just sort of lose it. So, And that's nobody's fault. That's just the way it is. 82 games is hard. Some teams play more than that. And his production has tapered off a bit. He's only got 14 points on the season. Uh, based on how hot he ended up starting the season with uh, what we were calling at the time the dog line of uh, Middlestat, Benson, and Greenway, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of tapered off a little bit for him. So, yeah, best to help give him a little break, help establish everything again, and hopefully able to keep bouncing back and do more of the same. And that's one of the things that Don Granado has always been good at is – giving you that reason, uh, taking a guy out and and saying, like, listen, he, A, needs the rest, and B, it'll do him some good to view the game from up top, see where, you know, certain spots are. Exactly. And, again, it's a big thing, though, that, like, he'll say why. And I think that kind of transparency always does help in, in a sense as well. But, funny enough, no Gergensons today. Uh, of the regulars that play on this team, He's one of two players without an assist. He has four goals, zero assists. Eric Johnson has three goals, zero assists. What? Peyton Krebs. When Peyton Krebs is passing you the puck, that's all you need. That is very true. I mean, you wish you'd be able to see more from Krebs. He's got nine points on the year. But the big problem with the Sabres this year has been the top guys are not producing like the top guys. Yep. And they seem to like him. They seem to value him more in a defensive role to begin with. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people have been pounding the table for him to get a larger role and are wondering why he can't. Well, this is me in the table. Yeah. Well, it's possible that they, in the future, in the future, you need guys to take up those bottom roles. And yes. sometimes if you draft a guy and that's what he ends up being, that's okay. I mean, we're looking Gergensons. at Sam who that's all he's really ended up being. But we sometimes view that as a negative, but these guys all have roles to fit at the end of the day. Not every – some teams are able to fill their third and fourth lines with physically skilled guys still. Um, and those players come in the first – uh, the first round as well. I mean, Phil Kessel spent a year on the third line with the Penguins. That feels like a unique situation and still had like 70, 80 points that year. So, I mean, having a, a lower role on a team full of skill guys is not anything bad to say about a player. It's just like he hasn't been given those chances and maybe they don't want to give him those chances because they feel like it's better suited for him to just stay in those bottom roles and learn that. Yeah, and part of it's development. Part of it's also, um, you know, there's been a lack of room for him to go up in a sense of the th- the three centers, Casey Middlestat, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins. And we've learned that Krebs is not necessarily that good on a wing. So why not just utilize it where you have the four centers playing where they're able to play? So here's the other thing for me. Why is there this weird sense of like how they always manage to bring you back in? Well, the way that they're doing it now is Jack Quinn coming back into this lineup. 11 points in 16 games. He's been 
very good coming ever since coming back. The Sabres have been not bad in the month of January. So, like, it, I'm not hopeful for anything. I'm not expecting anything of a playoff push. Uh, would it be nice to get four points out of six on a West Coast trip? Absolutely. Can you please beat a team that is lesser than you uh, again? That'd be nice. But yeah, no, they, they've they've been solid this month. Unfortunately, this is the first month in which they've been relatively solid. Like, even the games that they've lost in January, they've been competitive in. Like, you couldn't close out you couldn't catch up with the lightning after a slow start but you had that puck most of the game um vancouver you lost one nothing you got thatcher Demcode, but upl had a really good game there's another loss in there seattle oh they never play well against seattle i don't think they've ever beaten them no they haven't and not only have they not beaten seattle they don't look good against seattle ever for some reason um anaheim yeah that was a bad one but otherwise they've held their own more times than not, they've been holding their own or winning games that you didn't expect them to. That's the part about it. Is like the, the, they're a weird team. They're so weird. And you just want them to be better. However, like you had said earlier, though, um, in jest, and now we can talk about it a little more directly, um, Kevin Adams definitely made a mistake this offseason. He thought that running back the same group would end up with better results, and it kind of goes to the saying of progress is never linear. Right. And that's kind of the uh, the logic that seemed to have been applied to this team was, all right, we got our young guys. They are looking good. They'll keep improving. Not Progress is not always linear. Yeah, and I think Joe Yurden sort of brought that up where – a lot of it seems to just be that they've been figured out that style of play, that run and gun style of play that they played. So it is, which is funny because I feel like earlier in the season, we were all anybody was saying is that's what we want back. But now you see them trying that against teams and that's, that doesn't work either. They had, what they've struggled to do is they've struggled to evolve and Granado has struggled to adapt them to, a different system that he tried to get them to play more defensive so that they could get, I feel like what they want to be is like those Toronto teams, those Pittsburgh teams that grind out and get the the points, the loser points that they need, or uh, they need to win those games in overtime more. Um, but the season goes by and you, you know, you, you end up having a high, high on the list of regulation overtime wins. Also, did you know, I I'm pretty sure that the Sabres, are still equal to or something in regulation wins over the Leafs or something like that. But the Sabres just don't go to overtime. It's pretty uncanny. Because if that was one thing that they did last year a couple of times, you know what I mean? Oh, no. Why'd you make me look that up? Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, it's... They're 10 points back of Toronto. And if I put together Toronto's regulation and overtime wins, so not shootouts, they have one more than the Sabres' regulation wins Yeah, without any form of overtime or shootout. Yeah, so if you ever want to get mad at the Sabres for losing, uh, make it that they always lose without getting any points out of it. That's what those teams are good at. They always get the games to overtime. And I think there's some sort of semblance to that's what Granado wanted out of this team is to be able to grind games out there. 
but they just can't seem to be able to keep the puck out of their net in the first period. Their first period troubles need to be fixed first and foremost. Slow their, starts oftentimes are their biggest problem. Which I, I just don't... It's a mystery to me how every game it's always, we just we just weren't into the game enough. It's like you... I had made mention, they've fallen to multi-goal deficits 18 times in 48 games. So down by more than one in the first period, 18 different times. That's And they've won two of them, last one being L.A. So the last one being the most recent one, of course. But it's a disturbing trend that they keep just burying themselves early and oftentimes not being able to, uh, to come back from it. Especially if they're down by two goals after two, or down by or any sort, uh, heading into the third period. And like you said, the combination of the slow starts plus the failure to adjust allows teams to play a trap on them. And if you play trap hockey on the Sabres, as we saw right from the outset of the season, uh, you can beat them. It's not fun to watch, but by then, opponents' fans have had plenty of fun with them if they're going to go into a trap system. So you've gotten your excitement out of the game at that point. You've gotten your goals against Buffalo, and now all you need to do is just pack it up, get it to the garage, call it a day. So again, there's a failure to adjust, but there's the, but the failure to start strong is also very damning on this team. And the shame of it is, is that you are 10 points, 9 points back of a wild card spot, actually. You, like The games played has kind of finally evened out now. Um, the Sabres at one point were just like easily the team with the most games played. And things have kind of tapered off. Um, teams have finally caught up to them, except for Ottawa. How have you still only played 44 games is beyond me. But the Sabres are not the team with the most amount of games played anymore in the East. Like Tampa, Philly, both have 49. A lot of teams have 48 now. So it's like they're, 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 everyone's kind of where they are. So the weird thing about it is if they finally decide to start stringing wins together, which is the other thing that they can't do. There's a shot at causing questions to happen. I don't think they've got it in them this year. But if you got UPL's goaltending last year instead of this year, my God. Yeah. It's... Okay, I feel like we've been belaboring the points for weeks at this point, for months even, since November, since they we realized, like, uh-oh, this is disappointing. This yeah, might they're be actually disappointing. Not, they're not doing what they're we thought not, they would. Exact, exactly. Uh, so it's January. You, you have to hope that they can go on some sort of run here, but this is their last game before their, their bye week and also the All-Star break, so... Which I think is a nice little advantageous time to have that. With a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries, yes. Yeah, especially since I feel like teams always come back loose from their bye week. Getting it on the All-Star break, you might be able to get teams all kind of loose from coming back from a, a little bit of an extended break. Correct. So that might help them maybe just get reset. I don't know. I don't know. The weird thing about the Sabres is that they are... They're losing games. Yes, they've had their games where they've been kicked around, but they've also kicked other teams around. They have lost, recently, close games to quality competition and bad competition. They're the most inconsistent team that you could look for. And if you look at goal differential, 
they're consider considering where they are in the East, third from worst. That's not third from worst. They have a minus twelve. The Islanders minus twenty two. The Capitals at minus thirty. They can't score goals. Oh my god. TJ, guess how many goals the Capitals have? By reference, the Sabres have 141. I don't have to guess. I have, I'm on the same page. but Oh, yeah. It's 111. Ew. That's just not fun to watch. Because like, the only teams lower than that are San Jose and Chicago. So, yeah. I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. The Sabres are weird. And I don't know. They're, they're weird. I don't like it. I don't like it. I hate it. And we'll get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, West New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. we got Matt joining us here on the phone. Matt, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. Hey, guys. How's it going? I mean, the Sabres are weird. How about you? I, I agree. You know, I'm, it's, it's almost like the team's bipolar. It's like they, they come out and play terrible against the worst teams. And then the next night they play one of the best teams and win. And it's like, what? All like, how is this possible? Like, constantly. they, I think they had some stat up, like, a couple weeks ago where, where they have at, at one point in time when they've beaten eight teams when they were leading the NHL in points. So, like, eight, eight of their wins have been against some of the best teams in the league. And it's like, how, how can you play that well against them and then turn around and play terrible against, like, Columbus and, like, Anaheim and... You know, some of these other teams they've lost to. Um, and on top of that, the thing that's frustrating to me is that it's not even like a lot of games. I mean, some games, obviously, they look like they can't even. They've been playing peewee hockey, like, the, you know, for most of the game. But in a lot of these games, they're actually getting a lot of chances. And it's like either they get a they get a breakaway and they get stopped or, you know, they have a two-on-one or a three-on-one and get stopped or the goalie's standing on their head. And it's like, in these games last year, those pucks were going in, and they're not going in this year. And so I think that's part of the difference. Um, but I also uh, was reading an article that says that the Sabres are one of the – they have some type of uh, analytics on um, how often teams get to, like, certain miles per hour while they're skating. And last year, the Sabres were one of the top teams in terms of, like, bursting over, like, 20 miles an hour or 22 miles an hour. And this year, they're one of the lowest teams. Um, so to me, that kind of goes back to what Granado was saying, where they're trying to think too much and they're not actually playing, and it's causing like a lot of hesitation in their game. Um, you know, whether that's trying to play defense too much or trying to, you know, think too much while they're on the ice. Uh, but to me, it's just like they're not taking advantage of their speed because there's no way that the Sabres should be one of the slowest playing teams in the NHL. Matt, I appreciate it. And something that you mentioned there about like how often they've beaten teams amongst the top of the league, they can beat Boston or Colorado at random but can't handle Columbus. Yeah. And it's, it's so frustrating. It is. It, they, it's one of those we know you can do it things. So just do just... it do this. Why don't we take this against Boston and put it against the bad teams? And but... then they don't. And right. It's like why? Uh, the other thing, I, I, I love the speed uh, point there, and that is it, 
I'm wondering, it, you know, is it the Sabres slowing down because they're thinking too much, or are other teams just able to slow them down in general to where yeah. they can't get, reach those top speeds? Exactly, and I do think it's a combination of both. Yeah, and un, I mean, another thing that's plagued the Sabres in general is just their special teams. Last year, it was the penalty kill, but this year, the power play, they can't score on it, mm-hmm. and that's been a huge problem for them. Um, because five on five, if you look, if you want to bring up the analytics, five on five, they're one of the better teams, five on five, I think top 10 shooting percentage wise in the NHL at five on five. So there's, before you even bring up the goaltending, because UPL has pretty much solidified his spot as the number one goalie at this point of the season. That's the number one thing I'm looking at is they cannot score in advantageous situations. Yeah, like power play is just bad. It's so bad. And we saw it starting to happen, like the plates were wobbling at the end of last year. But now, man, it's a detriment. Can we decline penalties like in the NFL? I would love I feel like that. that's been a joke for the Sabres for about 10 to 12 years, except for last year. Yep. Last year, the power play was wonderful. Yeah. Why can't we have fun things? Why can't we have a 15-game winning streak like Edmonton? Man... All right. Anyway, we'll get a break in. We'll talk with Brian Koziel in a little bit as well in about 15 minutes. Sabres pregame for Sabres and Sharks getting started at 3 o'clock. We'll have a nice, nice little primer before then. But for now, we'll be right back here on some Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, TJ Luckman, Evan DePasquale on the board. You're listening to WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, TJ Luckman, Evan DePasquale, we've all been here for you for the past three and a half hours. Thank you for being with us as we've talked some Bills, we've talked Sabres, we've talked even a little bit about the Detroit Lions. If you've missed any of it, Evan's going to make sure that it's all been uploaded on our website at WGR550.com. You've also heard from our guests, Bruce Nolan of Buffalo Rumblings, Joe Yurden of Noted Hockey. Everyone has been, uh, everyone's been here. And if you've missed any of it, by all means, like I said, you can head on our website. You can use the rewind feature on the Odyssey app. No matter what, there's always ways to listen to the debauchery known as Sports Talk Saturday. Speaking more of that, we've got even more of that coming up for you on the other side. Um, as Brian Cozy will join us at 2.45-ish, so about 10 minutes from now, to be able to uh, talk more about 
I'll get his thoughts about the Bills, how that season ended, and, um, of course, leading into Sabres pregame against the Sharks this afternoon. I think to be able to wrap this whole thing up, though, I mean, the Bills, it stinks that they keep losing to Mahomes. It stinks that they keep losing in the divisional round. That is something that's also become uh, a constant with this team. The coaching staff has done enough. Well, staff, I should say, probably more or less. It's Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Uh, they've done enough at this point to kind of quell the conversation about being on the hot seat. But I know that if we're having this conversation again next year, it's going to be with a little bit more animosity. Not animosity. Um, a lot more negativity. There will be a little bit more of a, uh, okay, is this really as good as we can do? Uh, yes, I know one of 32 teams wins the Super Bowl every year. But with the talent that this team has had, you should have been one of them. But all I just need at this point is for someone to beat Patrick Mahomes so that I don't have to watch them in the Super Bowl again. That's the thing I'm asking for. Am I asking for too much? No, I'm not asking for too much in this. No, I'm not. I'm wanting Lamar Jackson, a quarterback that... I personally would have loved the Bills to have drafted to get there. And it's not to say, not to prove that I'm right. I don't care about being right. How many times do I say dumb stuff on this station every week? So it's not about me being right. It's about just, I like Lamar Jackson as a football player. I would like to see players that I like be able to make the Super Bowl instead of the players that I'm kind of, I've seen enough of. Enough of the monotony. Of the uh, of the whole thing. Let's see something fresh. Let's see something new. Also, in realizing this, um, we had talked about the uh, the Brendan Gallagher suspension. Uh, yeah, I forgot to bring George Peros into my booty cheek of the week. Because uh, how do you suspend a, fi- a game? Uh, so how do you suspend a guy for five games for blatantly elbowing someone in the face? Um, but yeah, I feel like the NHL likes to get picked on a lot. I guess. But hey, you know that's that is what that is. All right. I'll say I'm going to use my jinxing powers here, hopefully for the side of good. And I'm going to say that the Chiefs and the 49ers win tomorrow. All right. Don't fail me now, Derek. I swear. It's going to happen, and you're going to come in next week, and you're going to be furious. I will throw my chair. (laughs) Not very far, but I'm going to throw it. I don't want to break the chair, but I will throw it. There it is. There's there's the official statement. And if I if I don't jinx both of those teams. I'm hoping I at least get one of them in the trap. That's the hope. Pulling the trap card. Kaiba. There's our last Yu-Gi-Oh reference of the uh, day. Brian Koziel coming up next here on the other side as we get ready for Sabres pregame on WGR. Sabres here with a potential turnover and a breakaway pass sent ahead, and it is Paterka with a shot, scores! He goes straight to the net! And J.J. Paterka picks up his second of the game, and the Sabres are back to within one, trailing 3-2 with 11.38 to go in period number two. Last segment here of Sports Talk Saturday before we hand things off to Sabres pregame, but we can get ourselves a little extra time because I for one love when people hear from Brian Cozy and why not give the people more of what I want 
Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> Give the people what I want. Wait, that's not how it goes. Ah, oh, well. The people benefit when Brian Koziel is on the air, and that is right now on the Wesser Hotline. Brian, good afternoon. Um, how's it been going for you? Gentlemen, it's been great. I uh, see that this is a 4 o'clock game and not a 10.30, so that uh, has my spirits picked up tremendously. Yeah, just a little bit. It's not the Sabres after dark. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a 1 o'clock game. Uh, the second 1 o'clock game, oddly enough, um, with the corresponding time zone between Sabres and Sharks this year. Oh, actually, no, that was noon for the uh, Sabres game. That's right. Yeah, that was the game that uh, was uh, moved from 1 to 12, and that was in front of the the, the same game, day that the uh, Bills and the Steelers ended up playing uh, because that Bills game got moved because of the snowstorm. So, yeah, they've faced each other two times here and winning 3 to nothing last time when it was back at KeyBank Center last Monday. Um, you know, I, I think when this road trip started, I was hoping for a 2 and one trip out of the Sabres. They still can get that. I had the games reversed. I thought they would beat the Ducks and lose to the Kings, and it ended up flip-flopping the other way, um, as maybe did the performance of Devin Levi. In the first period, he looked like a goalie that should have never come back from Rochester, and uh, that's not to say that maybe he still wouldn't benefit from going there to play a lot more. Uh, and then in the second and the third, he looked like grade A Devin Levi that we've seen from him during his short Sabre tenure and ended up playing very well, and the Sabres, of course, scored four times. That helped, too. Um, from all their big guns that need to score. I think, you know, I'll steal Paul Hamilton's line. If the Sabres are going to be good and beat decent teams, they have to get performances from their best players. This is not a team that's regularly getting contributions from their third and fourth line, and they're also, as we definitely all know, are not getting contributions from their power play. So they need five-on-five scoring from their top six, and Paterka, Quinn, Tuck, and Cousins all provided that uh, in that Kings game late to come back to win. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, we're constantly seeing it right now. Um, ever since the return of Jack Quinn in the lineup, the kid line has kind of been the power source for them when there's been a little bit more consistency scoring goals for this team right now. It's typically been because of the kid line, Quinn, Paterka, and Cousins, making sure that uh, this team is staying in games as of late. By far, I think they've been their their best line in terms of generating chances. The return of Jack Quinn... Maybe we didn't realize how valuable he was to Dylan Cousins and to J.J. Baterka and just that line as a whole. He's been very, very good, I think, uh, in his return for about a month now. And you know, I was hoping that maybe we would see a little bit more offense out of Dylan Cousins. It's I feel like maybe slowly coming back, but uh, he's still way under where he needs to be in terms of scoring. Cousins is still single digits and goals with nine, so um, they need more from him for sure. Um, and, you know, the consistency with the Thompson, Skinner, and Tuck group, um, whether or not Middlestat's in there, you know, at times. I know he's been kind of bouncing around, uh, but they need those guys to put the puck in the net on a more regular basis. They seem to be hitting the post as often as anybody that we've ever, yeah. any team that we've ever seen. Um, and you wonder, again, if that just goes back to the mentality of the, the cuter play, the uh, the play that maybe takes a little bit more thought ends up always being maybe not the right one to make. It's the simpler play that we've been asking for all year from this team, which maybe these guys, because they're pressing, they're thinking, okay, I've got it. Literally put it in the one inch of the corner that I can to beat this goalie. No, maybe maybe you just you take this, the higher percentage play. I know to beat NHL goalies, you've got to be very good, but these guys have hit more posts and missed more nets then I feel like at any point during this time that this group's been together. 
So I would like them to continue to do the high percentage play, throw pucks at the net, have bodies. At, and it's so cliche to say it. I hate the just I, I can't even believe I'm rattling that off because it's annoying to hear people say that. But it's true with this team because they seem to be wanting to make the overcomplicated play. They want to skate through three guys instead of just dumping it off the boards and going and beating them to it. Their strength is their speed and their skill, but they're not using it properly, in my opinion. Uh, Brian, of course, uh, on the other side of things, you mentioned uh, Devin Levi right at the start there. Um, the Sabres goaltending situation, uh, Levi gets sent down, plays the game in Rochester, and then gets called back up. Uh, so it kind of speaks to a, a very lacking confidence in Eric Comrie as the backup at this point um, for what is now Uko Pekalukinen's net. For sure. Lukanen's been great, and you know I, I will admit that I thought somebody would step up. I just thought it would be Levi. And it doesn't mean that Devin Levi still isn't going to be the Sabres' long-term answer in net. And I still think he has the higher ceiling. But I want to, you have to give Uko Pekka Lukanen credit for where it's due. There were some things last year and in previous you know, stints when he's been with the parent club that we have said, ah, this is what, maybe what makes him not an NHL goalie, or this is what maybe makes him no better than a backup. And he's really worked to get better at that. Some of the things he said he really worked hard in the offseason was you know, reading plays better, and it started with conditioning even better. He conditions better, so now he's in better shape. His mental you know, awareness is a little bit more sharper, so physically now he's able to react quicker. Uh, his anticipation of the play has been great. I feel like we've saw quite a bit over the last few seasons where maybe he was out of position or he would overreact to something, and then he would be not ready to for that next shot or for that rebound. And this year, I feel like he's looked very, very controlled. He says he's physically actually done two things different. One is play a little bit more upright, he said, which he feels like overall, just by having that more upright posture, it keeps him a little bit more in control of his body. And he also says he's playing back a little bit more, which maybe, maybe explains his ability to be in a better position that he's not caught out so far to the point where he has to get back and get into the proper position for that next shot. So those two things, even physically, that he said, I feel like it's been noticeable. I haven't thought of a, a lot of times this year where a puck's gone in where we sit here and say, oh, Lukanen was just you know, way out of position there. Oh, boy, he overreacted to the first portion of this play. I, I, I believe what he said, uh, it's been working, and you know, it's, it's really, I think, even more frustrating for how this season's gone, Derek, because... What did we enter the season with? The biggest storyline was what's going to happen in net. And, you know, I'll be the first to say it. During March and April last year, when the Sabres were making that run to fall just one point short of the postseason, probably at some point during every postgame show, I said, oh, if the Sabres could have even just gotten average goaltending, they'd be in right now. Well, that was the biggest question of the year, and they've gotten it. Again, it's not from the guy maybe that I thought it would come from, but they've gotten that average to even on some nights slightly above average goaltending. But their offense has fallen back so far that uh, clearly there's a huge deficit there. And, well, that's why they are where they are in the standings right now. Nine points out of a playoff spot. Nine points out of a playoff spot. But you have a chance to at least enter the All-Star break-in bye week uh, on a high note, getting uh, four of six on the West Coast trip. Brian, of course, um, the Bills season ended a week ago. And uh, I'm just curious about your thoughts of what the team managed to do to steal away the AFC East and um, what your thoughts are on uh, what they need to do going forward. The, the, the run from where they were at 6-6 six and six was pretty incredible. And I think that um, while this week there's a sour taste in everybody's mouth of how that game ended, um, we all would have said in a heartbeat, hey, 
you're six and six. I'm going to put you into the divisional round with a home game. Would you sign up for it now? And you'd have a hundred of a hundred signatures. So, you know, you have to remember that they had obviously um, a very, very poor middle of their season and they figured out a way to get it done. And Sean McDermott deserves credit for that. Joe Brady deserves credit for that. The players, the, the second and third stringers that filled in on defense uh, during over those, all the course of those injuries uh, deserve credit for that. So, and Josh Allen deserves credit for that. He's some of the things that he was doing to turn over the ball. He limited those over those course of those last six games. So uh, I think they all should get credit for that. With that said, in that Chiefs game, we were maybe just one play or one throw away from them beating Kansas City perfectly. If, you know, we're all debating about that Allen throw to Shakir in the end zone where he was bumped by Deion Dawkins, and maybe he connects there. You know, the Bills take the lead, and the Bills get a stop on D. Now, was I going to predict it? No, but let's just say they did. I mean, how dramatic would that have been that Sean McDermott's defense of second and third stringers out there come up big in a huge moment, stopping Mahomes at home to win. Um, Or maybe the Bills, in my opinion, maybe chew a little bit more clock up and get it down to where they score right at the end, and then Kansas City maybe never even gets a chance at it at all. So, you know, it's, it's a play or two at the end of the game that if it plays out differently, we're obviously talking about a game this week, but because it's such a minuscule difference, I'm trying not to get sucked into overreacting to think like that, Mm-hmm. Uh, a major overhaul is needed because, again, literally, if Deion Dawkins is a, is a half step to the left, maybe the Bills win that game. And, I, yeah. you know, I, I'm not blaming Deion Dawkins at all. Please, no, he had yeah. a, a phenomenal season. But, you know, just that sequence of that play, if, if the throw happens to get to Shakir, maybe we're, you know, we're, we're sitting here previewing the Ravens game with the Bills tomorrow. So I, I don't want to think that, well, one, you know, one or two plays decided that game, which ultimately maybe it did, if you think about it. So, um, I don't think that they're that far off. I think there is some tinkering that needs to be done, and obviously some decisions have to be made. When, when you go into the offseason, you have to sit here and make decisions about contracts and who's coming back and who's not and who's better for the upcoming next year. But it's also really, I think, <laughs> tough in the sense that, man, like it, this felt like maybe this could have been that special team that went on that special run, and they were on the doorstep of doing it. And it felt like maybe the biggest hurdle of this entire postseason was the Mahomes-Andy Reid hurdle, and just to not get over that once again, I think is extra painful. It's a little discouraging. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I know you're not, not blaming Deion Dawkins on that. I've been subscribing to um, great players make great plays, and Chris Jones made a great play there. I mean, yeah. it's not on the stat sheet, but it impacted it. So Yeah, and I, I don't want to make it about yeah. Deion Dawkins. I shouldn't have even said that. But, you know, just that, that play. If, if, yeah. if, if Allen somehow gets it into the end zone, we're sitting here maybe talking about how what an incredible job that everybody's done to get them to the AFC Championship after being in that six and six spot. So, yeah, um, and maybe you know it, it could be one other place somewhere in there too. But uh, it wasn't that far off from it getting over the hurdle that everyone could have really taken that big deep breath with, where you could have gone in. Even if they lose to the Ravens this week, you would have said, well, they were they were able to get Kansas City and McDermott was able to get Reed and Allen outdueled Mahomes. I feel like it wouldn't have felt as uh, as devastating in the sense of like, oh my God, what do we have to do this year to change it now in the offseason? It would have felt like, okay, we're right there. Baltimore just happened to be the, maybe just the best team this year, and you know, next year maybe it would be Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, hey, who knows? But uh, I, I got to say, credit to you for uh, making sure you're not living in the moment with the overreaction sort of thing. It's a, it's a hard thing for a lot of us to do. And uh, I mean, 
I'm not there at like, hey, you got to fire the coach. That's a conversation. If we're having this talk next year, maybe we have to have that. But now uh, I think they did enough to, uh, well, they have to make some changes to the roster. There's 22 pending free agents. So we'll see what they've got. Speaking of seeing what we've got, Brian, Sabres pregame is coming up in just a moment. Um, What have you got for us coming up here? So, yes, we, uh, we're going to be joined by Paul Hamilton here uh, just uh, a little bit after 3 o'clock. We'll get his thoughts uh, on that Kings comeback. I know maybe many that are listening right now didn't get to stay up to watch the end of that game in Los Angeles, so we'll get some thoughts from Paul on that game. Uh, we'll have Shayna Goldman's from The Athletic Hurt a weekly conversation with uh, Duffer and Marty from Sabres Live. We'll have that a little bit into pregame as well. And uh, obviously it's a very busy Saturday, as it always is in the NHL, so... Uh, I'm, I'm going to truly try to see, you know, the standings breakdown here, what realistically the Sabres have to do the rest of the way. I haven't done the math. I kind of want to almost talk it out live on the air. Last year at this point, they were in a similar spot, but Derek, they only had to leapfrog about two teams to get into a wild card position. I think this year, this is where the math becomes much more challenging, is that, yes, you're this, you know, you're this many points away from wild card one and two, but the amount of teams this year is what I think is what's going to make this a very, very tough argument to make that they can truly do it because of the fact that you've got Montreal, Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders, and the Devils all in your way before you even get to Detroit at wild card spot number two. Can I blame Toronto for this? They only have 15 regulation wins. I know, and the Sabres (laughs) have 19 regulation wins. But the Leafs have done a good job of picking up those loser points. Point merchants. Yes, and even earlier this week... They're playing Winnipeg. It's 0-0, and they end up winning one nothing in overtime. Like, that's a game where, okay, how does Toronto win? Well, they win because they're loaded offensively. On a night where their offense was missing in action, and they only scored one goal, they still got two points. So, like, those are the games the Sabres are not getting this year. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the nights where, you know, the offense is missing in action and they win one nothing? No, they actually had that happen to them last week or two weeks ago. Remember, Vancouver yep. beat Buffalo one nothing on a game where Lukanen was great, and they defended the Canucks outstandingly well, one of the best teams in the NHL, yet in their home building, they couldn't score a goal. So, I mean, that's kind of the opposite. Toronto's figured out ways to grind out points in different ways, whereas the Sabres find ways to not. All right, Brian, we'll hear plenty more of these kinds of thoughts, as well as Paul Hamilton on the other side here. Thank you for uh, taking a moment to extend, in a way, Sabres pregame. Thanks, Derek. Great listening to you all day. Have a good weekend. All right. You t- oh, you'll hear from me when we go around the league, so I'm not going anywhere. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Koziel, you'll be hearing plenty more from him as well as Paul Hamilton on the other side here. For Sports Talk Saturday, for my guests, Bruce Nolan and Joe Yurden, for my co-host, TJ Luckman, and for my producer, Evan DePasquale, I'm Derek Kramer. This has been Sports Talk Saturday. Sabres pregame. Sabres, Sharks at 4 o'clock here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.